Good morning, Matt Waldman. Uh, we're heading into a biomageddon. There's going to be a lot of things that probably I'm going to feel that I wouldn't otherwise feel because six teams are on by. That said, fuck a bunch of what I saw yesterday. <laughs> well, we can just end the show right there. How about that? All right. <laughs> Bryce Young. How are you feeling about Bryce Young after last week? Uh, let me put my David Tepper hat on. Um, I'm going to be mildly more patient. Uh Look, you know, I think they they talked about, you know, uh, Frank Reich talked about heading into this one, maybe, you know, simplifying things a little bit. I don't know how much they simplified him, what they did. He seemed to be processing his information better. Maybe he just had a little better protection. Maybe that's half of it. Um, but um, but uh, there were signs that would leave me encouraged, right? And I think there have been the last couple of weeks. And I don't know if it's necessarily Bryce Young or having a great veteran receiver in Adam Thielen, who seems to be always available. Um, but I thought watching this game in particular, I felt like he was, you know, the things that, that I was told he did good, the reason why he was the first pick overall, the fast processing ability and things like that, I felt like I saw signs of that. If Vince Lombardi were Jimmy Carter, David Tepper would be Billy Carter. I think that's <laughs> ba basically just on the looks alone. He looks like a... Panthers version of Vince Lombardi um, in terms of how he's trying to dress and like I have it there's a picture of him at the sideline with his Carolina Panthers shirt and his hat and oh fuck him I don't care about he's, that analysis he's, Bryce he's, not, Young, he's, he's not a patient man he Let's, is look, yeah he's a brilliant a financial mind yes but and didn't you know. didn't didn't make a cabillion dollars by going hey that's okay don't worry about it yeah well <laughs> you know Maybe there's a there is a difference between <laughs> running things, but I'm sure he doesn't believe that. He in, has no in idea. Instant, probably won't care. Doesn't care. he probably thinks he is master of the universe? Bryce yeah. Young looked a little bit more masterful at moments. I thought so last week or this Sunday. So yeah, I definitely think that um, you know this year we'll see more and more of Young. So I'm feeling Bryce Young. Do you feel maybe like if nothing else that the people in charge in Carolina can like, like that go for at least a week. Thank Why didn't we draft that guy, whichever one they were watching in the moment, Anthony Richardson or CJ Strauss. Yeah. I feel like that I've gotten emails to, uh, as such actually from people who go, why couldn't we have drafted this guy? Or right. are you feeling like we should have drafted that guy? Or I wish you could have scout for, and I'm like, <laughs> it's not the scouts, my man. I, and it's not the scouts. It was definitely, they know. yeah, it's, it's the all knowing mind of the super master villain, otherwise known as the NFL billionaire owner, at least this one from what it sounds like worked his way into this role. Yeah, it's true. You know, so all due credit to, to Billy Carter, you know, <laughs> David Tepper Lombardi that, you know, where we're going here, <laughs> Drake London, on the other hand. You know, we were we were kind of saying fuck, fuck his situation, <clears throat> but in the past couple of weeks, looks like things have changed a little bit. Are you still kind of like ah fuck his situation, or are you yep. feeling him a little more fuck nope. his situation? Um, it also be ready to pounce when there's a favorable matchup, as there was in this particular game, right? I mean, he should have smashed this game, and he did, and kudos to him, and and it's encouraging, right? If you've invested in him and you're having a hard weekly decision when it comes time to play him, which I've had, um, this makes it a little easier to say, yeah, it's if he gets a, if, if I see the right matchup, 
hell yeah, he, he's he's capable. Like, you know, last year, you know, he was the guy that I invested in most of that receiving class as a rookie, um, mostly because of my draft pick positions. But but also, I thought he might be the best one. Well, so far, you know, there are things conspiring to keep him from being that. But but when you see a game like yesterday, you can see where where that upside lives, and hopefully, that at some point, like, you know, like. Watching that game yesterday, I felt like Desmond Ritter demonstrated he's not the answer. And hopefully somebody saw that and decides he's not the answer. We need to do something else. But I don't know that that's the case or not. But I think at some point when there's a real quarterback, he's a young man. We'll talk about Kyle Pitts here. He's also a young man. Uh, They have long-term hope. Well, Falcons fans can't believe I'm about to do this because they think I have some evil conspiracy uh, against Desmond Ritter. Um, But it was... Two of those interceptions were arguably Bijan Robinson's fault. Bijan Robinson. So, but I'll say this: um, I've certainly banged on uh, Desmond Ritter enough over the past year and a half to say that he's still in his rookie phase. Doesn't look like he's gotten significantly better. But what I did see this week that encouraged me about Drake London are two things. One is that Ritter at least showed some trust to make some, you know, some trust throws for London to go up and win. And second, it looks like it looks like Arthur Smith is maybe using more routes that get Drake London on the move, and not these static ending routes like curls and and um, stop routes and things that just settle somewhere. <clears throat> like more slants, more routes that actually have him breaking downfield and Desmond Ritter hitting him downfield as he's breaking in that direction. So that's a little bit more encouraging. Um, but I'm with you. It's more of a matchup thing because, again, we're looking at Washington Commanders who gave up, what, 220 yards yeah. to DJ Moore. So I, I, I might be a little bitter because I had London as my top uh, DFS tournament play. I needed at least one, probably both of those touchdowns that Ritter threw going to him. Otherwise, it would have been a perfect game. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kyle Pitts, he's looking a little better. It looked like he wasn't limping through the game, which he was a, a few weeks ago. Um, feeling any better about him, or is he still a he's sitting on my bench unless there's a great matchup? Well, there probably that, but also, well, he's not sitting on my, any of my benches because I didn't draft him. Me neither. Zero percent invested <laughs> in Kyle Pitts, but you know, not because of him, yeah. more because of you know uh, the the circumstances. Again, it just hasn't it hasn't been ideal, and apparently, Johnny Smith is a much better player either way, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> incoming uh, <laughs> uh i believe right. arthur and john who might be uh related because <laughs> these <laughs> harris we got the harris clan and the smith, and the smith. clan right uh no <laughs> look i mean i i do think like so uh, when he came out as a rookie i had the first overall pick i traded it away um and i was roundly chastised you're letting go of a generational talent in his position and maybe you know maybe so i had a good tight end was my excuse you know not kyle Pitts good well turns out i did but but i do think that like this is gonna this is like a slow burn so if you invested in him i mean you're not moving on from him right this is just a wait for the circumstances tight ends play until they're like 90 yeah. uh, or at least 35 or so you know so <laughs> he has a he, what did he just turn 23 yeah, well, he's in middle age according to Zoomers. Yeah, yeah, you're wrong. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, I would say long future ahead. Little perspective. Yes, exactly. Kyle Pitts redraft certainly 
Um, feeling a little bit better about him after this week, but I would only say that it confirms that he's a matchup play and redraft dynasty. You hold on to him for dear life um, because things are going to change. And, and Jonu Smith, I would agree with you that Jonu Smith has, you know, he breaks tackles. He's that third read. They seem to be able to find him <clears throat> on some scheme plays. Um, and he's, he's just been a solid play because he's not matched up with players that defenders that Kyle Pitts is. I want to acknowledge though, if you don't have like, you know, uh, Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey or Sam Laporte, apparently, or, you know, TJ Hawkinson, or Logan Thomas. I mean, there's a handful of guys that if, you know, once you get past that, I'll throw Evan Ingram in that mix as well. And probably Dallas Goddard, because we've seen the upside now and it's been a couple of good games for him. Uh, and, and maybe Darren Waller has that upside too. Um, if that offense ever stops working. But I mean, if you're, you know, there's not like, a, there, it's not like there's an entire universe of tight ends who are capable of setting the world on fire. Yeah. If you were like the eighth, ninth, or 10th guy to pick a tight end and you wound up with Kyle Pitts, or you're that, probably sticking with him. You're sticking with him, probably. Yeah. So what about Chuba Hubbard on the other side of the Panthers spectrum? Talk, we were talking about him a few weeks ago that he seemed to be a little bit better than. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Maybe it wasn't this one because I know you love yourself some Miles Sanders. I don't but love Miles Sanders. You don't. That's right. You don't. It was somebody else I, I knew who loved Miles Sanders. Fuck Miles Sanders. Yeah. I, you know, Are you I feeling mean, Chuba? Uh, to the degree I feel pieces of this offense, not named Adam Thielen, yes. I think I feel him immensely because uh, it's, it's a low bar, right? It's a low <laughs> bar uh, outside of my uh, – unabashed love for Adam Thielen. I'm not enthusiastic about this offense in general because I think you're taking your chances. That said, uh, if you're taking your chances, take your chances with someone who's getting enough volume to do something with it. And if, as long as there is no Miles Sanders, and I don't know how bad the shoulder injury is, uh, Chuba Hubbard looks like a great play. And when there is a Miles Sanders, Chuba Hubbard looks like uh, better than whoever you're going to play in Arizona until James Conner gets back. Well, I look at it this way. Chuba Hubbard, um, I thought outplayed Miles Sanders earlier in the season. He did. And he's certainly making better decisions than Miles Sanders does. So I'm kind of feeling him as the potential replacement to Miles Sanders if David Tepper doesn't interfere and say, well, the balance sheet says that this I don't think David better. Tepper cares. I don't think once the money's spent, he's worried about the money. He's worried about winning. I'm going to give him that that point, right? How much did he play, pay? Uh, uh, who is that coach? Matt Rule? He's paying him half a billion dollars a week to go away, right? He doesn't care about the money. <laughs> He could buy, he could literally <laughs> buy dream houses in every state pretty much once a month with what he's making. Matt Rule. Matt Rules, man. I, that's all I can say. He's got the, he certainly has the uh, <laughs> clan Matt. Yeah, clan Matt. There we go. Because certainly there's no clan Waldman. I'll put it that way. Um, Nelson Aguilar, are you feeling clannish about him or are you just thinking whatever? <sighs> no, whatever. I'm, I'm still waiting for this offense to turn into this offense, right? You know, we were very excited about it early on, and it seems like it's uh, still a work in progress to me. Uh, and uh, that being the case, there are going to be weeks where certain players show up that you didn't expect to show up. And I mean, like, what I so if I'm deciding between him and Odell Beckham, I think you're just playing, and you're deciding on Odell Beckham, you're just playing the name. I don't think you want to play either of them. Yeah, because that's where I'm at. I would say that's you play probably, Zay Flowers is who you want to play. Uh, yeah, Zay Flowers and Mark and Mark Andrews are the right. guys. And really, though, behind the scenes, when you start really looking at what's going on, Lamar Jackson's playing really good football. the 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 stats are kind of um, supporting that. Some of the next gen stats. Also, what's supporting that is 
that there, Greg Roman really didn't allow him to change plays at the line of scrimmage. And you're seeing him changing plays with success. And that's what's actually generating some chunk yardage for guys like Aguilar and Beckham on occasion. The problem is, is that you're just not seeing enough of that um, in terms of spreading the ball around to a level where you have multiple fantasy talents other than the first two guys. Like those two guys would make my hard wide receiver three decision on Drake London easy every week. See, there you go. There you go. How about Chris Brooks? He hasn't really done a ton in terms of numbers, um, but he gets in at the ends of these <clears> games and, and he's starting to play well and he performs well and he has some impressive looking runs. And then on top of that, during the game when they don't have cleanup duty, they're using him as a blocker and he's killing it. So do you think there's... Are, I'm not saying are you feeling him for fantasy right now because that's the easy question. The easy question is fuck him for that. But the, the, the more interesting question is, are you feeling someone who's displaying what he's displaying as someone that maybe could overtake Salvin Ahmed and be the first in line behind Jeff Wilson when Wilson returns, so that if if Wilson breaks down yet again, that Chris Brooks might be in that role as a maybe a committee option in this Miami backfield. Do you think? Are you feeling that possibility based on what's his development timeline is? You just sold it, man. No, I already—I was already buying, <laughs> already buying in. I, so, I mean, I've been hearing about this guy going back to this summer from the beat writers that we talked to uh, on the regular, uh, who you know, who are out there and they're trying to mention names that they think are going to make them look smart later in the year. And so, whether they think that person is going to be a immediate contributor or not, they want to throw it out there. So, when that person is a immediate contributor and they come back on my show, say, "Remember what I told you about this guy." Works well, for here me. He is. Well, here he is, right? So, and but it, but it's true. Right. So, yeah. but I think the things that, you know, that you're throwing out there, like the range of possible outcomes here, we've seen before. Uh, not everybody on that, you know, Raheem Moster, Jeff Wilson Jr., uh, not known to be super uh, durable guys. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I'm injury agnostic, but I can easily acknowledge when players have struggled to remain on the field over the course of their career. So, <clears throat> and it's a great offense. So, like, if I was sitting here, <clears throat> you know, and, and, and as somebody who has, you know, Keaton Mitchell sitting at the end of benches, probably I might have some Chris Brooks sitting on the end of benches as well, right? So I think it's a great offense, and he obviously was somebody that they were interested in keeping to the point where they moved on from a former starter in Miles Gaskett. So, uh, so yeah, I think he is a guy that you should uh, you should keep an eye on. And if you have huge, super huge, really deep rosters like some of the leagues I'm into, uh, you should uh, stash him at the end of your bench. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll look at it this way. I would say that... Uh... You know, Raheem Mostert is a Jaguar car. You know, um, I would say that Jeff Wilson is kind of a BMW. Um, and then, you know, HN is probably like a, a Ferrari, you know. And, and Chris Brooks is more like that wrecker that comes to pick them up and is probably looks like it's already like 20 years old. But... Um, seems to get from point A to point B where it needs to be and drags whatever it needs to drag with him. Right, we should we should probably acknowledge that like if you know if, if if he had the touchdown yesterday we would be having a different conversation about him. Yeah, probably <laughs> you know, would. The same number of carries as uh, as Ahmed, uh more per carry 4.7 to 3.8. 
I uh, just no touchdown. And more impressive doing it, to be honest, from what you see on film. Jackson Smith and Jigba, he actually got more than one catch for one yard on a, you know, wasn't much more, but he was certainly, it looked like he was a little more involved in the offense. Um, Congratulations to him. Yes. And uh, and still sorry to all those who drafted him ahead of Tyler Lockett and you know, a lot of players. Like, it's coming along. You, you told me how this was going to play out, that this was a next year thing. And I think it is. And, you know, Seattle still, I think, runs more 12 than anyone else in the league, right? Or yeah, right up a... there. That's a limiting factor for him. And uh, will probably continue to be. Maybe he can force them to adjust it over time. I talked to Michael Sean Dugar yesterday, and he kind of thought that, you know, it was something that maybe we'll see a little more as the season goes on. Uh, and uh, and he earns uh, some trust and, you know, gets a better feel for the offense. You know, I think the thing we all need to remember, and is and you probably don't need to remember because you already know this rookies are new to the pro game and sometimes an adjustment is, is necessary and not always right like some guys hit the ground running some guys don't every player is a little different needs a little time no matter what their level of talent it may be you know like apparently jameer gibbs is in this side of things uh and uh, my enthusiasm my unbridled enthusiasm for him you know mistook the fact that the lions view him differently than i view him they view him as an important piece of their team for many years, not just this year. And they're treating him like that. Maybe we're seeing the same thing with Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah, and I would I would probably add that the um you know that the 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 biggest thing and the re- when I mentioned it to you was probably week two or week three of the season yeah. as opposed <clears> to the beginning of the season, because I was super high on in Jigba, Smith and Jigba. But when the two tackles were out pretty much week one that pretty much ruined their 11 personnel, um, yeah. you know, aspirations. But right, right. he was, right. I think it's easy to forget too. He was hurt for a, a chunk of camp, had a yeah. broken wrist. Right? Yeah. So. yeah. But, but Seahawks got Charles Cross back. And so one of their tackles is back. That means that the other one's Jason Peters, which is fine. I mean, it's He's not as old as me. Yeah. But you know, that that's Much okay. Yeah. Hey, you know, old man game can work. So it works for you. So, you know, it's, it's, it probably works for Jason Peters too. Um, so I think that that helps out with Jackson (laughs) Smith. I sit here, I almost keep a straight face going I'm 40 years older than, (laughs) but yeah, but I mean, I think that you can see that they probably are a little bit more comfortable with using a little more 11 personnel considering that cross was back. So if they can get, both their starting tackles back. I think by the, by season's end, I think you'll see a jump in Jackson Smith and Jigba's play. But right now, you know he's <clears> not, <throat> he's either a guy you have the luxury to keep on your roster and redraft, or you're just monitoring that he's going to get dropped eventually, and you might want to pick him up at the right time because this is one of those classic cases where someone's going to have waited four or five weeks. Right. And then go, ah, I'm tired of it. And two weeks later, both tackles are back and they go to 11 personnel more often. Um, a guy that I just, I, I can't believe I mentioned him. I guess I just felt like hearing you say curse is Darrington Evans. Uh, feeling Roshan Johnson. <laughs> you contrary motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a fantastic way to state that. And I think, you know, you look at Evans, he's he's got speed. He has experience in the system. Um, and that just means that in case of an extreme emergency, they can put him in there and he shouldn't screw up the entire works, but he's not a productive running back in the NFL. 
and Deontay Foreman isn't always either, according to yesterday. Um, but one thing about, you know, something to be mindful of if you're out there in the listening world and you are you have a player who gets a concussion, make a move right away. Now, don't lose that guy, but only one player has made it back the week of a concussion all season long. And, and Johnson had 10 days, right? So And he didn't make it back. So when one of your players becomes concussed, Go out and grab a piece to uh, fill the void or try to leverage that. If you're looking in your league and somebody else's player gets a concussion, go out and try to leverage that move if you can for a short-term thing. It's not like something you need, you know, it's not going to be long-term, but it, but it, but it's been pretty consistent this year. Well, it looks like that, you know, Christian McCaffrey was in that Lowe's commercial and maybe in an off take, a Cleveland Brown rammed him into one of those lockers that he was slamming shut at the end there and messed up his oblique. Jordan Mason came in, scored a touchdown. Jordan Mason has been the cleanup duty guy. Elijah Mitchell, he he got a little bit of an appearance, but then they quickly ushered him out because he's a jet pack with no compass. Um, can do you think? Are you feeling Jordan Mason as the injury replacement to Christian McCaffrey, or is this a committee? It's a committee. Uh, it's a committee headed by Elijah Mitchell when Elijah Mitchell is uh, healthy enough to be the head of the committee, which feels like is coming. Uh, he was, you know, he was available this game. They obviously didn't. Uh, they were still using Mason. But I think at some point it turns back into Mitchell. It was his first week back after a couple week absence. So I think that's the case. Like, I wouldn't mind, you know, again, deep benches. If I have a deep bench, I wouldn't mind having him as a piece to have available if I needed him because it's a very good offense, except when they play the Cleveland Browns. Um, by the way, Kyle Shanahan is now, what, one and nine against Jim Schwartz in his I, career? I love Jim Schwartz. So there we go. I think that's a, it's fun. And it's fun to watch Kyle Shanahan make faces um, the way that he does on, on TV though. I would say that the, that the officials did screw over the, the, the 49ers on some of those calls. There was some, some bad, bad officiating just in yeah. general yesterday. There was some horrible officiating, yeah. including last night. Uh, there are a number of, yeah, there's a lot of bang, bang plays that you look at and, you can understand why the officials make yeah. the calls they do, but they're just bad calls um, regardless. And, and I certainly think that Cleveland benefited for sure from that. Even as a Browns fan, I have to admit that um, Jordan Mason, I like his game. I actually like it more than Elijah Mitchell um, all around, but Mitchell is going to get first crack at it. But if you're, if you're just looking for cheap guys to rotate <laughs> onto a, a deep roster, Mason's one of those guys that could pop for you. Now, that's kind of the same thing that feels like that the, the entire Cardinals backfield from top to bottom. Keontae Ingram got the most touches. He seemed to do pretty good with them overall, um, but n didn't get a ton of them because they gave more. They gave as many to um, Damian Williams, and then Amari DiMarcato was still into the mix. Um, and who knows if they bring anybody else in after that. Tony Jones Jr., I think, is the is next on the, on the docket. So... If you had to pick one, you know, because I know you said earlier, I'm not picking any of them. I'd just rather have, you know, Chuba Hubbard than any of those those crapsters on the Cardinals. But if you had to pick one from that bin, who's the one that you're you're feeling? It's the one the Cardinals picked before James Conner was hurt and before Keontae Ingram was hurt. It was Keontae Ingram. It was their choice. Sometimes uh, you just so don't overthink it, huh? Right. <laughs> hate, to, hate to be like all simple and whatnot, but it's, it's my lane, so... So yeah, and, and and I mean I think I do think we try to overthink these things and like yeah. even 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 guilty of that myself heading into this game, you know, trying to 
sort through which one I wanted. I needed there was leagues where I, I could have picked up either one and I needed to figure it out. And, you know, I got down into like, oh, look. Uh, and I, I have to say his name like my friend Stacy Perez of Fantasy and Frames because I like to feel like I'm in Godfather too. Amare Di Marcado. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he was a guy who had, had gotten, uh, uh, you know, some looks in the passing game. Hadn't seen that from Ingram. So thought maybe that was his pathway to success. I don't know that it is. So so I probably just, you know, if you're after over over complicating it last week, I think I will keep it simple going forward. I think Keontae Ingram won another week of leading the backfield in touches. And yep. I think it's as simple as that. I don't know if it's as that simple for Garrett Wilson. Are you feeling Garrett Wilson? Oh, fuck yeah. No, mostly I'm feeling the fact that I've been sitting here shouting all year that it's possible Zach Wilson could be a good enough quarterback to fuel Garrett Wilson's fantasy fortunes. I was correct. You're welcome, everybody. Well, I'm gonna I'm about to burst your bubble, my Stop friend. Stop it. <laughs> Steve uh, Bradbury, James Bradbury, the fourth. Oh, it was yeah, there was there was issues. I, yeah. I'm not denying uh, that I, for this game in general, yeah. right? It was I, a huge game. Well, I'm not I, expecting I, that every no, week. I, okay, okay, okay. Back, okay, okay. Here we go. I was answering a whole uh, different question. <laughs> answer the question i want i think you'll enjoy this because mark sanchez actually gave some cogent analysis that i really that i thought was you know that was probably the best thing that he did on sunday was talk about how bradbury came up in the nfc south and was used to covering mike evans and julio jones big players who may not be quite as shifty as garrett wilson so his modus operandi was to play off coverage and he gave up a lot of easy slants that um, even like Zach Wilson's, you know, you know, broken arm cousin probably could have at least gotten within range. So I would I, I think that Garrett Wilson is still a guy you want on your roster, but he's a matchup play. And maybe part of that is looking at the cornerbacks that are on that team <clears> and, and hoping that you can discern who's played a little <clears> bit more off or who was, who's going to play tight man to man. He's an easier wide receiver three decision than Drake London. Yeah, I would say that's probably and, and like more like a hard wide receiver yeah. two decision and, and maybe a little mass up base. But I think my point remains unchallenged. Ah. <laughs> All right. Well, so how about this? How about this smart guy? Do you think that the, do you think there's more than do you think that um, Jalen Hurts can support more than one Eagles receiver? <laughs> In a week, and I'm not counting Swift. I'm <laughs> I'm counting just AJ Brown, or it's either an AJ Brown week, or it's um, or because against tougher defenses, I've noticed <laughs> against tougher de defenses, like above average defenses, it's one guy, and it's usually AJ mountains Brown. of evidence to the contrary, notwithstanding. I do think it's possible, but it's not likely. Right? I mean, like <laughs> like one at a time seems to be the way this is going. Yeah, yeah. It just feels like it just feels like that yeah, he can pepper some of those guys, but he's not able to like if they make like against the Rams, they made Dallas Goddard the the priority in that game. But like there were only two games through last week, through like week five, where where they were they essentially maybe, had two guys. Maybe Devontae Adams needs to pitch some more hissy fits on the sidelines and he might 
get course corrected like uh, A.J. Brown's been course corrected. Well, was he pitching fits because Michael Mayer led the offense, essentially? <laughs> Is it Michael Mayer time? Are we... Are we um, are we all aboard the uh, Michael Mayer rookie train or or what? Everybody who drafted him in Dynasty should be super encouraged, and he's starting to look like a really good player. And it's been you know pretty narrow sample size, but I mean I think if you did invest in him and you probably expected more than you've gotten to this point, you'll take whatever you can get. But I think from an objective you know standing back and just looking at it, he looks like a tough guy who can make some plays get a little yardage on his own with physical uh, toughness and uh and he's a big body so i think at some point he's going to emerge it might uh it might not be uh not i'm not expecting a consistent uh redraft play this year though yeah he's a good zone player who who handles zone really well and he's a good man-to-man guy in the red zone he has just enough athletic ability to be a matchup play with his skill at the catch why are you point. describing cole Komet? oh because they both went to Notre Dame, um, logo yeah. scouting, I guess. I don't know. I Maybe that's what it is. Um, no, I yeah, Cole Komet. Yeah, Michael Mayer can block a little bit better. I would say sure. at certain points, so Komet's bigger. Yeah, I don't know. Damian Pierce, are you feeling that? Because Devin Singletary, they wanted to establish the run, and mm-hmm. it looked like Devin Singletary was like became the hot hand last week. Yeah, he you know. When you when you drafted Damian Pierce, you expected him to be the primary piece every single week, and even if it wasn't going like great, you would like maybe get a little something a little better than like people who drafted Rashad White are getting. Um, I don't I don't know maybe that maybe that's shifted. I don't want to you know I don't want to change my entire philosophy. Again, I did not draft a lot of Damian Pierce, so I'm not having to make a lot of decisions about him on a weekly basis. Um, <clears throat> but you, it seems like it would be a hard decision for me to keep him as a you know as one of my top two running backs i'm hoping i've developed somebody else uh that's emerged and and is getting a more robust workload or doing more with the, the work that they're getting yeah i'd like to say fuck bobby slowick for not really getting the most out of damian pierce but bobby slowick's done a really good job with this so, offense so i can't really two say were that. kind of encouraging too though right like i mean it started started to look like the you know and so maybe the you know maybe i'm maybe i'm putting too much emphasis on a single game um and i probably should it's the new orleans defense is pretty tough so yeah. uh that's part of it but 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 that said Devin singletary seemed to be just fine yeah he he did and i just feel i'm just sad because damian pierce is a really good pass receiver and i feel like they've done mostly a a poor job of not exploiting that from his game. He should be earning a lot more targets than he is. Um, and he's a, I, I like how he runs the football. I like how he plays, but apparently, you know, it's not enough in terms of that. So generally speaking though, would like to say I'm feeling those Texans way to go to Mikko Ryan. Yeah, I would say that's true. Um, I feel the same way. Chris and, uh, by the way, the one more thing yeah. about okay, that game. Uh oh, here we go. Uh, you know, I invested dynasty shares, deep dynasty shares in receiver based on information I got from a Draftnik guy oh, okay. uh, and yeah, Xavier Hutchinson, a... and oh, yeah. uh, and I saw signs of it. Thank you, Matt Waldman. Oh well, uh, well, let's don't thank me yet because he may just be stuck on special teams and doing end of rounds all his life. So Look, you know, and we'll I, and as long as he is on a roster, he will be on mine. Yeah, I like I like that dude Xavier Hutchinson. I'm definitely yeah. I'm feeling him low key. Um, are you feeling Chris Olave a little more than low key? 
now that you've seen him against this Texas team that you just praised and he I think led them in receiving? They are a pretty tough defense. I think uh, feeling Derek Carr's shoulder feeling better is what I'm feeling. Like, I, I don't think Olave went anywhere. I think the ability to uh, go from pop gun to BB gun to, uh, you know, low caliber rifle, and hopefully the trajectory continues and uh, Chris Olave continues to benefit from it. Listen, don't mess with Bob. He knows his guns. There, that's that's what we've learned today. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, the, are you are you feeling him, or <clears throat> is this all dependent on whether Ryan Tannehill can be, stay healthy? I don't know. Maybe if Ryan Tannehill can't stay healthy, we'll all be in better shape. Uh, this is a the offense is not it's not a reliable passing offense for fantasy purposes, generally speaking. Um, and uh, and up to this point, you know, it's been pretty reliable for uh, Derrick Henry managers it's become not that either uh it's become less reliable although i still you know watching yesterday derrick henry still doing the derrick henry things the breakaway runs and all those things i think maybe he will convince them to turn this back into the derrick henry show which they tend to do as the season goes on anyway um but but for the passing pieces it's hard to get excited because it's a it's a grab bag and you don't know what you're getting from week to week i think if you're grabbing one piece it's the hopkins is the piece to grab but you've got to realize the range of possible outcomes is uh, not always going to yield great results. Yeah, I mean, I certainly think that there's a big concern with what we have with um, Tannehill, whether or not he can stay healthy, and I think that's probably the the, the biggest issue with this offense. But, um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins overall, until last week, you know, if we he's were looking... In, yeah, he's been good. I mean, you know, first five weeks of the season, we're looking at... You know, where are we? Hopkins, he was still a low-end wide receiver three, um, you know, up until last week. And last week he drew a couple of pass, intercept, pass interference plays, but that doesn't help you on, in fantasy. So I agree with you. It's kind of more up and down. He's a he's an inconsistent wide receiver three at this point who gives you wide receiver one upside and then gives you the downside of basically shutting you out of your starting lineup for that spot. So he's a high-variance player at this stage of the game. But one thing that isn't high-variance is getting a chance to you know, hang out with Bob Harris and see him deliver the work that he work, he delivers every week. He's at Football Die Hard on Twitter. You can find him at Football Die Hards. Um, you know, Man in the Sales, The Boiler Room, The... the uh, <laughs> you know, doing underwater demonstration. You know, yeah, demolition. yelling at people and pounding on my big fake desk on YouTube that I'm not. I do enjoy. I do, and en- I do enjoy that every once in a while. I do try to get you to to laugh, but usually you usually you handle it with a plum. Well, so. I don't see your comment. It's like I'm like five minutes or ten minutes behind the the comments as I'm trying to work through the questions, and I don't see you until after you leave, so you don't hear all my smart-ass comments to what your smart-ass comments were. Yeah, that's true. That's true, because I, I, I kind of bop in and out from there, and then I got, oh, I got more. Coming in, I you got like more of these drive-by commentary. Pretty drive much. Drive-by commentary, and uh, <laughs> so you're not there when I catch up with you and and, and fire back with uh, undoubtedly uh, high-end sarcasm. Yeah, very much so. Well, you can find this high in sarcasm at Matt Waldman on Twitter. You can also find it occasionally filtering through my work at footballguys.com, which I'll have an article out sometime tonight, maybe early tomorrow, most likely tonight because they give me the the Tuesday deadline. I like to come in ahead of time. So that's the way things work. We'll tune in next week. Love you, Bob. Bye. Love you. Bye.